This exhortation was brought to you by the Light Bearers, bringing light until there's no more darkness. Is your heart full of murmurings and complaints, or is it full of praise and thanksgiving? You know, is it full of fear right now? It's full of, you know, just songs, you know, and thanksgiving. You know, if you've been here for um, the last few weeks, especially on Sundays, you would, you would, you would know by now that there is a way our, our hearts are supposed to be. Amen. Our hearts are supposed to be ever flowing with joy and thanksgiving and praise. Hallelujah. Irrespective of what we are going through. You know, yes, there is COVID. Yes, there are shootings, wars, rumors of wars, things happening around the world. There's inflation in most places right now. Um, skyrocketing prices everywhere, you know. But we still have a duty to, you know, give, to constantly give thanks. Praise the Lord. You know, even the personal issues we deal with, the small things we deal with on a daily basis. Those are things that I feel like with respect to Thanksgiving, there are big things that can zap your Thanksgiving, like a major bad news. But there are little, little things each day, you know, those little irritations that happen, you know, those small personal conflicts, difficult conversations, feelings of inadequacy, all of these things can add up to make sure you're not giving thanks. But um, as we've been saying, it's something that we must pay attention to. You know, if you look at the Corinthian church, for example, they had times when Thanksgiving was a, a part of their services. For example, if you read, you remember this verse that says, How shall he that dwells in the room of your learned say amen at the giving of thanks? Which means there was a time, you know, designated where we just give thanks. That was very important to them. He says, How shall he, you know, when he was talking about speaking in tongues and all of that, he says, at the giving of thanks. So it's a, it's a, it's a part of the, of the service. It's something that they practice. It wasn't just something they left, you know, for the end. Amen. It was, it was, it was a major part. Amen. So God says our response must be constant, irrespective of what's going on. We should and can abound in thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. That's why Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20, he says, giving thanks always all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 20. It says giving thanks how often? It says always. Not sometimes. Always. And for what kind of things? It says is it, is it good, good things when good, hap- good things happen? It says no. It says for all things. You know, so when you lose your job, I should give thanks. Yes. When I was admitted into the hospital, I should give thanks. Yes. When I failed that course in school, when, you know, this thing happened, when she said no, or, you know, yes, give thanks, all right? You know, it says give thanks always and for all things. And that should be our disposition, irrespective of our circumstances. That's God's wisdom for us. Praise the Lord. Now, you know, is thanksgiving for God's benefit? I wouldn't really say so. It's actually more for our benefit. Amen. Because, um, a thankful, joyous heart is actually an asset for us. It makes our lives our lives better. Praise the Lord. You know, as we saw in the past few weeks, you know, a heart of thanksgiving keeps us grounded. It keeps us focused on the master and not on ourselves or the evil, day-to-day evil that surrounds us. It keeps us sane. You know, it just gives us laser focus. Ah, we give thanks. They are, they are taking off the power from the enemy. They are, they, are, they, are, they are giving it to who has the power. 
you're giving it back to God because you're acknowledging him. Praise the Lord. So it's 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 of benefit for us to say it in another way. A heart of thanksgiving is God's prescription for this evil and uncertain world. It's a safeguard. All right. So if you are not abounding in thanksgiving, you are very likely falling into murmuring, discontent, or comparison. Why? Because there's no vacuum in spiritual things. Just like I said a couple of weeks ago, if you are not working in the flesh, in the spirit, you are working in the flesh. If you are not working in the flesh, you are working in the spirit. You can't have a vacuum. Praise the Lord. So if you're not giving, um, abounding in thanksgiving, you are abounding in something else. Even if you don't notice, you are abounding in memories, in discontent. Praise the Lord. So joy and thanksgiving are a safeguard. They benefit us. Hallelujah. No wonder the great king of King Solomon, you know, King Solomon of Israel in Proverbs chapter 17, verse 22, he said something. He says, he said, a joyful heart is good medicine. But a broken spirit dries up the bones. It says a joyful heart, a heart that is full of joy, abounding in joy. It says it's good medicine. Praise God. You know, notice it doesn't say a joyful heart is medicine. It says it is good medicine, meaning there are no side effects. Praise God. You know, there are drugs today that are so harsh that <laughs> while you're using those drugs to try and cure a disease, those drugs can kill you. You know, that's why if you read the fine print on some of the medications you get, you buy, you'll write some, you see some possible potential side effects that would amaze you. You'll see some things can cause air, eh, really, in this drug. Yes. You know, some drugs are so strong that they can cause liver problems. All right. Such that the person, the liver was good, was fine before they took the drug, but the drug messed up the liver. Praise God. All right, and that's why when there, there's a drug with the relatively common side effect, doctor me, sometimes they may ask, have you do some tests first? If it's a drug that sometimes affects people's livers, they'll have, they'll, they'll have you do a test to check the strength of your liver. How healthy is your liver? If your liver is strong, they feel, okay, you should be able to, um, um, be, be able to you know, um, use this drug. But if your liver was like shaking or it's unstable, you'll choose something else, all right? Some drugs affect the eyes. So you have to do your, an eye test before the before using the drug. All of a sudden, you're using the drug, you can't see some certain colors anymore. Some affect the bones. If you use steroids, for example, for long, it can, it can affect the bones. So people that were okay before start having fractures. Some affect the heart. They cause you know, the heart to be inflamed, to blow up like a balloon. All right. So why would doctors give such drugs, knowing how strong and they can be? You know, it's because they've done a risk-benefit analysis and they've seen that even though this drug can be harsh and potentially dangerous, the potential benefits outweigh the risks. Amen? You know, so if a drug, if you have, for example, a very bad disease like tuberculosis or HIV, <laughs> simple drug do not work. So they'll have to gamble and just use these things that at least, yeah, it can be harsh, but it's the only thing that has a chance of curing you. You understand? So they, they, they try those drugs. All right. So those are medicines, strong medicines. But are they good medicine? I wouldn't really say so. That's subject to heavy debate. But listen to what Solomon says. It says a joyful heart is good medicine. This is God's own prescription. So he calls it a good one. No side effects. It's one will fill you with strength and vitality to nourish you. All right, a joyful heart is good medicine. 
not just any kind, it's a good one. You can use it morning, noon, and night, with or without food. It has no side effects, no contraindications. It will always help you. Praise God. And what's more important, it is free, free of charge. Amen. So you don't have to, you know, pay to see a doctor to, to get this drug or pay to use, see a pharmacy. It says this is a free drug. It's good medicine and it will help you. Praise God. And what does it say about the opposite? It says a broken spirit dries up the bones. You know, I like the way the message translation says it. It says, a cheerful disposition is good for your health. Gloom and doom leave your bones tired. Praise the Lord. So gloom and doom will make you tired and weak. Praise God. You know, sometimes you, you can contemplate the things happening to us. The news, this person has, ah, this person lost his phone. This person had got into an accident. This person did this, this person did that. And you just contemplate so many of the things and just makes you weary. You sit in a corner and you allow life's issues to, to weigh you down. Your heart is full of negativity, gloom and doom, like Solomon says. You know, but he says, that will leave you bone tired. It will leave you weak and faint. You know, it will leave you weak and faint. So it's important, even for our health, for our physical health. Since it is health for us. You know, let's look at um, the man who went through a very trying time. That was Jonah. And we'll look at him and see what we can learn before we begin to pray shortly. That was, this was an account in Jonah chapter 2 from verse 3. I'll read it because I have it here. So this was Jonah talking when he was swallowed, right, by the by the fish. He says, For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and waves passed over me. You know, he's brooding. The guy is, is moody. He's, he's unhappy. He says, Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. He says, The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down into the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Wow. Praise the Lord. So he was he was just he was just narrating these things that he was these ordeals, it's predicaments. In verse 7 it says, when my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went unto you into your holy temple. Praise the Lord. So he was contemplating all the troubles that he had gone through and he became distraught. He was looking. His predicament made his heart heavy. He says, and the flood surrounded me and your billows and your waves passed over me. Amen. In another part, he says, I have been cast out of your sight. You know, many of us feel that way from time to time. We feel forgotten, cast away, discontent. Amen. That was Jonah. That's how he felt. So it's a legitimate feeling. You know, in verse 5, it says, The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. So we can say that Jonah became faint and weak in heart. Amen. That's why if you read verse 7, it says, When my soul fainted. But thank God it did not stop there. Because it says, When my soul fainted, in verse 7, Jonah chapter 2, verse 7, it says, I remember the Lord, and my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. So he had a change of disposition here. He remembered the Lord. And now look at what he now said in verse 9. He says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Amen. I hope that's clear. So it was when he was saying this thing, when he changed his mind, when he remembered the Lord, 
he was still, notice he was still in the belly of the fish. He hadn't been taken out of his problems. But in the midst of his issues, he changed. He changed his way of thinking. You know, this is what I actually call repentance, metanoia, because repentance is just to change your, your thinking, to change your mind. Jonah chose a different disposition, a disposition of strength, a disposition of prayer and thanksgiving. He says, I remember the Lord and my prayer went unto you, into your holy temple. Verse 9, it says, I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving, even though it was still in that situation. So that's the pattern we should follow. We should not allow life circumstances to change our disposition, the disposition of our hearts. You know, the Bible says, and this was Jesus talking in Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, and he spoke a parable unto them to this end, that men always ought to pray and not to faint. This was Jesus talking to his disciples. He says that men always ought to pray and not to faint. This word faint is the same word that faint that was used for Jonah. You know, it's a similar word. It says men always ought to pray. What does it mean to faint? If you've been paying attention, I'm sure you have an idea. It means to give up, to give in, to collapse, all right? To accept all the negative whisperings of the devil. That's what Jonah did initially. After contemplating all those things, he says he so fainted within him. Praise God. So Jesus is saying, actually, we ought to pray and not to faint. So if you pray, you likely wouldn't faint. You likely wouldn't give in to all these circumstances. You likely wouldn't you stay strong in your thanksgiving. Praise God. By the way, we'll be praying shortly in a minute or so. So Luke 18 verse 1, he says, Men always ought to pray and not to faint. The Amplified Version, he says it this way. He says, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not to turn coward. That is to faint, to lose hearts, to give up. To give up into negativity, to give up into pessimism. Praise God. You know, another version says this. It says, men ought always to pray and not to give in to bad or worthless situations or conditions. Praise the Lord. He says, to faint that means to give in to bad or worthless situations or conditions. Another, he says in another, he says, to dwell within an ugly, ugly mood or maintain a disposition of poor quality. That's what it means to faint. They've heard this bad news and it has just consumed you. You are paralyzed. But that's not how we are supposed to be. Praise God. So since prayer will keep us in a good disposition, a disposition of good quality, to keep, it will keep us from dwelling within an ugly mood or giving into bad or worthless situations. You, you know, having heard this, you know, let's just go ahead and pray. Let's refresh a bit. Praise God. You know, so in the place of prayer and thanksgiving, we can change our disposition. We can change our mind. It's, it's, it's you know, we can, we can just rise up above it. You know, um, a man of God I, I like who is living now, Kenneth he, Hagen, he said something that is very useful. He says, he says, start in the spirit, in the flesh. You will wind up in the spirit. You know, so sometimes when things, that, is, that are contrary situations, you can just start by praying, even though you don't feel like it. Just start by giving thanks, even though your mouth is a bit heavy. Eventually, you, it, you just see that you, you are being charged. Eventually, you just rise up above it. You just see that you are filled with the spirit. Praise the Lord. So we can change. And the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 61, verse 3, it says the anointing of the Lord. It says he has anointed us. It says the anointing of the Lord will give us beauty for ashes. It will give us the oil of joy, um, joy for mourning. 
you know, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. That's what the anointing of God does. So you can change anything at a minute. Praise the Lord. So we don't faint. We don't give in to bad or worthless circumstances. We don't dwell within an ugly mood. We don't dwell for long in you know, or maintaining a disposition of poor quality. It doesn't matter what the circumstances are. You know, we are always abounding in thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. And that's how we ought to be every and all the time. Praise God. There's a statement I sometimes see on people's um, posts or something. They say, thank God we don't look like what we've been through. I don't know if any of you have seen things like that. You know, it says, thank God we don't live like what we've been through. And I like, I like that statement, you know, because that's how we should be. You know, we don't let the, 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 the troubles of life show on our face, you know, constantly frowning, you know, constantly just complaining, murmuring. Oh, things are bad, we know. But we choose a disposition of faith, a disposition of thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. You know, we should be like Paul. Paul had so many things happen. And I believe I said this a few weeks ago or so. He had things happen, but was always abounding in thanksgiving. You know, the Bible says in um, Acts chapter 20, verse... 22 he says and see this is paul speaking now i go bound in the spirit to jerusalem not knowing the things that will happen to me except that the holy ghost testifies in every city saying that chains and tribulations are with me praise the lord he's saying the holy spirit is promising you <laughs> it's promising you chains and tribulations like you are, you are going to be just just be sure that they are with you in every city it says, I go bound in spirits. Very remarkable statement. It says, the spirit is already testifying that chains and bad tribulations are awaiting him. Now, hear what it says in the next verse, in verse 24. It says, but none of these things move me. Praise God, not do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with what? With joy. And the ministry which I received from the Lord, to testify of the gospel of the grace of God. What an attitude. He knows what he's expecting, but he's not changing his disposition. He says, none of these things move me. And that's how we should be. That should be our attitude. You know, as we sojourn through this world, through the trials, the tempest, the buffeting, you know, we can have the same unshakable disposition, disposition of joy and thanksgiving, the same one that Paul had, because we have the same spirit. You know, no wonder Paul was able to say in Ephesians chapter 5, we read it earlier, for sure, 5 verse 20, he says, giving thanks always that's why he was able to talk like that because that was his practice he's giving thanks always for all things to god the father in the name of our lord jesus christ giving thanks always for all things not only the good things not only the promotions and the blessings alone he says for all things he says by doing that you are following the wisdom of god for your life all right so i was in this ephesians chapter 5 verse 20 i i, I believe i started with this and we, we just go back here I'll just explore um, this verse and as we and this chapter as we build a small foundation for the rest of our talk today. You know, so let's fast forward a few verses to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. And um this was just a few verses before the one we read, where it was talking about giving thanks for um, everything and always. But let's see how we got to that statement. All right. So Paul was building on something. He was giving us some serious advice here. Now, let's start from verse 15. I'll read from the KJV. I'll probably read from another, another version um, later. The KJV says, um, Ephesians 5.15 says, See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Praise the Lord. 
So he's advising them here, the efficient church, saying, see them that you walk circumspectly or carefully. He says, walk carefully. You know, in the NLT, he says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are, or like those who are wise. Be careful how you live. Praise the Lord. You know, some people are very careful about everything but the right things. You know, very careful about the food they eat. You know, they count the calories. There are even apps that you can just, you snap, you take a photo of the barcode <laughs> and you tell you how many calories it is. It's calculated at the end of the day to give you, you know, all this plan. Some people are very meticulous about things like that. Very careful about their physical health. They never miss this checkup or this appointment, which is good. You know, some people are very careful about their image or reputation. Some people are very careful about money. All right. So many things that people are careful about today. But much more than those things, Paul is admonishing us, admonishing us to be careful about our spiritual state. Why? If you read the next verse, you see why. It says, because the days are evil. You know, today there are lots of things that go on in the ocean. Lots of, you know, ministry of angels and demonic activity. So many things that happen that we don't see from day to day. A lot of positioning and repositioning in the spirits. A lot of evil influences that whisper to us that we don't even know we are imbibing. Schemes, wiles of the enemy, plots against us, snares of the devil threatening to ensnare us. So you just suddenly feel bitter. You don't know, you think it's normal. No, it's there's something spiritual going on, trying to take your attention of what you should. You know, giving you a spirit of competition, anger, malice. You go to church early in the morning, by, by the evening, you're already imbibing some things, you already lost all the all the glow, all the the glow that you had early in the day. It's not just natural. It's it's an active force in your zero. So Paul is saying, be careful. Meaning, be watchful, be wise. Don't give in to the schemes of the devil. Amen. Don't let bitterness or ingratitude take root in you. Catch it early. Be circumspect. Praise the Lord. Let's go back to the verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 says, So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but live like those who are wise. And the next verse, it says, make the most, you know, of every opportunity in these evil days. That's another version. Or the ESV, it says, making the best use of your time. In other words, it's saying, don't waste your days. Don't waste your days in bitterness or thanklessness. Because that's what you're doing. You remember what we read first in um, uh, what Proverbs 17, 22, when it says, <laughs> um, um, gloom and doom and gloom will dry your bones. Praise the Lord. You're just wasting your time. You know, that will leave you weak. It will make you faint. And it is an unwise use of your time. But instead, make the best of every opportunity in these days. Use every moment to live for God. Have a merry, thankful heart. Praise the Lord. So, in other words, it's saying if you use your days to wallow in with bitterness and anxiety or fear, you're not being wise. You're kicking yourself in the foot. So, it's one, be careful. Praise the Lord. Now let's just read on. Um, verse 17 is still talking about the same thing here. It says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. So do not be foolish in this matter, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, pause. What is the will of the Lord? You know, what is this will of the Lord is talking about? Paul answers in the next few verses. But before we look at those, let's look at another verse of scripture that will give us a hint as we exegetically divide the scriptures. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. I'll read it. So we're saying, what is the will of the Lord? It says, 
you do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's in Ephesians 5 and 17. If you look at Thessalonians 5 and 18, it says, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. It says, Give thanks, for this is the will of the Lord in Christ Jesus for you. So I hope that's clear. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. So it says, Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So that's the will of the Lord. It says, Don't be foolish, be wise, be circumspect. And understand what the will of the Lord is. Understand how he wants you to use your time. Understand that a merry and thankful heart is God's prescription for you. Understand that a heavy heart will keep you weak and faint. Praise God. Now, how do you achieve this kind of disposition, this kind of heart? Paul helps us. He gives us a method. Let's go to the next verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. Next verse. It says, And be not drunk, with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. So that's the foundation for easy thanksgiving. It's a Spirit-filled life. You know, and I'll just stay on this for a little bit. It says, do not get drunk. The version says, do not get drunk on wine, but be filled with the Spirit. Praise God. That's how we live a thankful life. Now, why did he say it like that? Why didn't he just say, be filled with the Spirit? Why, why bring wine into this matter? Why say, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit? There's a reason. And if you look through the scriptures, there are a few times when they used um, wine and spirits, because they're kind of similar in a way, when people are filled with wine and filled with the Spirit. But we'll see it. They usually contrast those two, those two things. It says, be not drunk with wine, which is asotia. That's the Greek word. It means um, dissipation or debauchery. You know, you drink it to stoop, you're gone, you're too high, you can't even think again. You know, so he says, don't be drunk with wine like that. But instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, to make this a bit clear, to understand why he spoke like this, in those days, there were some religions, some pagan religions, where they had some religious rites then, when they would often just drink wine to extreme, to extremes, to extreme drunkenness. They would drink so much that they would vomit and they will drink some more until they are fully drunk, until they are gone. Praise God, they are subdued by the wine. So Paul was using a very graphic example so that those people, this is an example that those people could understand. Like those, the way those people are drunk, and I'm sure we've seen people who are drunk too, you know, in their lives and movies, you know, the way they, they are just, they just, they just can't, they are controlled by the wine. They say things they shouldn't say. They just, they just act anyhow, disorganized. It says, don't be drunk like that. Don't be filled, controlled to the extent. Instead, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Don't be subdued with wine. Instead, be subdued by the Spirit. You know, men and brethren, when you are subdued by the Spirit, when you are controlled by the Spirit, anything is possible. That's why it's easy to give thanks. When you are controlled by the Spirit, when you are, when you are full of the Spirit, the, the, the small, small issues of life will not bother you anymore. You know, you become strange. You become an enigma. You rise above the elements of this world. You know, the Bible says something in John chapter 3, verse 8. It says, the wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it. But you cannot tell, tell where it comes from or where it goes. It says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That's what the Spirit does. It just makes you strange. You do some things. You go somewhere. And people are like, why did you do that? <laughs> you 
can't really explain, but you know you are, you are, you are doing something, you know. And later they will say that that was the right thing to do. The Holy Ghost makes us spring. He makes us laugh in the face of difficulties. Only the Holy Ghost can actually give us lasting, um, a lasting spirit of thanks and thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. But let's just continue. He says, "You rise. You are filled. You are controlled by the Spirit." You know, we can look at a few other examples of when they contrasted being filled with the, with the Spirit with being drunk with wine. In Luke chapter one verse fifteen, for example, this was talking about John the Baptist. It says, for he shall be great in the sight of the Lord and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, but he shall be filled with the Holy Spirit. They contrasted it. So he shall be controlled not by wine or strong drink. Instead, he will be controlled by the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. That's the same contrast we saw in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. So saying John the Baptist will not be a drinker. Instead, he will be spirit-filled. He won't be influenced by wine. Or alcohol instead it will be influenced by the spirit of god very clear you know I'll, I'll talk about another part the last part you know we'll find that same contrast in acts chapter 2 this was the first church in the bible in history actually because it was the first gathering of the saints and the bible says on the day of pentecost <laughs> it says they were all filled with the holy spirit and they began to speak with other tongues as the holy spirit gave them utterance you know and the Bible describes it, you know, they, they had clothing tongues as a fire fall on them and so many, this place where the world was shaking and all of that. So it was just a bit like rowdy, like it was, it was a bit, you know, almost like, you can, just like where people are drunk. Now let's notice something, if you fast forward to verse 12, it says, this were the observers, it says, they were all amazed, people that were looking at them, they were perplexed and they said, what meaning this? And the Bible says, and others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. The Greek word for that is glucose. They're full of wine. Because for them, that's the only way people, that is only when people are full of wine that they act like this. All right? So that's just to give you that same contrast. So they mocked them for being filled with spirit. They said, ah, this must be wine because only wine does this. But it is the new wine, the glucose, the Holy Spirit that makes us do that, that makes them do that. All right. So when Paul says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, that do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, you know, there are a few things we can learn. You know, that just the same way alcohol controls people, we should also be controlled by the Spirit. Praise God. You know, um, you know, some people, when they're in serious trouble, they go to a bar and they order bottle after bottle of beer, of alcohol. If, if you ask them why they're doing it, they will say, um, their drinkings forget their troubles or their worries, <laughs> all right? You know, or maybe they have an abusive, quarrelsome wife at home. And she's always making noise and the house has become hot, too hot to handle. And instead of confronting the problem, they leave the house and just go and drink. They're trying to medicate their sorrows. Amen. They're looking for a bit of happiness, even though they know it's temporary. You know, back then when I was in school, we had this posting where we go to some other, like, some village for some, like, some some kind of posting anyway. And because we're all together, my classmates, some of them are not Christians and things like that. So we went to the evening to, like, a place to drink, but not to drink, of course, I wasn't drinking, but just a place, you know, I went with them. And I noticed that they were all just, I, 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 I ordered maybe some soft drink or something. They took beer. And I noticed that within a short time, they were just, like, just talking, just talking anyhow, cracking jokes. They were having a good time. Amen. They were just like, 
I could say that they were happy. They were, and I understood why. Because at that moment, you forget all your sorrows. So it's a way for you to medicate your sorrows. You know, many of them know it's temporary, you know, but they just still go, like, at least let me just have some respite. Let me just, you know, forget all these things. And they take a lot of beer. Right? When you get to the beer, you can link up with fellow drunkards and crack jokes and laugh wildly. Everything becomes funny. You become loose. Amen. You know, at that particular moment, they're happy. But it doesn't last. You know, because eventually when they leave the bar by 1 a.m. or 12, 12 midnight, when the bouncer sends them away, they'll stagger and they'll fall into a gutter somewhere. You know, and then they'll wake up in the morning, 6 a.m., dirty, embarrassed, smelling. You know, so it doesn't like they have a headache. You know, so these people use alcohol to medicate, to give them happiness. But we don't have to do that. We can be full of the Spirit. Amen. So when we as Christians fall into troubles, when we are down, instead of drinking to forget our sorrows, we can turn to the Holy Spirit and it fills us with a deeper, lasting joy. Praise the Lord. And guess what? There's no hangover in this one. You know, and that's why, you know, we can rejoice and erupt in thanksgiving, even in the space of problems and difficulties, because the Spirit makes us abnormal. In quotes, air quotes. You know, so people may not understand why you're laughing loudly and joyful after the doctor gave you a bad report. You know, they will say, ah, are you drunk? Why are you, why are you talking like this? And you can respond like Peter in Acts chapter 2. He says, these are not drunk as you suppose. You are filled with something else. Praise the Lord. So the Holy Spirit takes us over. And, 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 and I, I just wanted to end with this, this part, you know, for this series. It's the Holy Spirit that takes us over. It gives us the ability to live the supernatural life or thanksgiving in spite of circumstances you know such that we can always be joyful always abounding in thanksgiving you know we can by we can do that only by the help of the holy spirit because naturally eventually you fail if you are trying that naturally but it's the holy spirit that helps us all right you know if you have an issue that you need to confront you know you can actually open your bible and then find a scripture that addresses it and just begin to laugh at the problem just, just laugh at it. Laugh in derision. You know, and very soon you feel the power of God on you. You know, we can laugh. We can and should laugh at the devil. Laugh at the problem. We can erupt in thanksgiving in spite of everything going on. That thing confuses the devil. He doesn't understand. Like, ah, this guy, you just had this bad news and you're laughing. He can't understand it. You know, it's like in Psalms chapter 2 verse 1. It says, why do the heathen rage? And the people imagine in vain thing. It says the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. And the Bible says, he that seated in the heaven shall laugh. It says the Lord shall have them in their reason. The Lord laughs at, 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 at Satan. We can't too. You just look at something, you're just laughing. <laughs> you're just like performing. And before you know, you just see, you just begin to see solutions. You just laugh at them, laugh at the devil, like you, devil, you're, you're a failure, you're a zero, or Lord, you know, just laugh at him, laugh in a mocking way. Praise the Lord. All right, we can laugh at it, we can give thanks. Oh, we had this accident. Oh, <laughs> you thought you thought this would bring me now. No, you're a liar. Just laugh at him, give thanks in spite of it. Says that is our heritage. Amen. So that's what the Holy Spirit will have us do. You know, so don't forget how we got here. We were reading Ephesians chapter 5. So I'll just go back there as we begin to close. 
So we started from verse 15. We are now in verse 18. Let's start with continue from verse 18. This says, and be not drunk with wine, wearing his excess, but be filled with the spirit. Now we understand what it means to be filled. Now, here is how you do it. Look at the next verse. It says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. You know, so in spite of all circumstances, you speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. You sing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Just sing, just start singing, you just compose a song. How many of you have been so filled with the Spirit that you just compose some spontaneous song on the fly? Compose it. Oh, just just a sing some singing something, a spontaneous psalm of praise. Melodies unto the Lord. That's how we should be. You know, when we are like that, it's, it's even it's even health to our bones, like King Solomon said. Joy unshackled. Thanksgiving. Praise God. Praise God. So that's all we do. And then finally, we end in verse 20. You know, in verse 19, it says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20 says, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we started from. You know, so giving thanks always. So that's why we are able to give thanks by being filled with the Spirit. Alright, this is the verse we started with. But by now, I'm sure we are, um, it's clear. So the only way we can give thanks for always and for everything is by being filled with the Spirit continually. Because humanly, humanly speaking, is, is, is impossible. You will fail at some point. You know, but when we have our hearts so filled, so touched, so permeated with the Spirit of God, the only possible response is an eruption of joy and thanksgiving. You begin to see with a new perspective. You begin to see beyond. Praise the Lord. And that's how Paul lived. So the next few minutes, you know, I'd just like us to take the time to... Bless the name of the Lord. Just give him thanks. If there is a specific thing, just give him thanks over that issue. Laugh in the face of the devil. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Sing melodies to him. It's a spiritual offering to him. Go ahead and pray. Um, sing and just express yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.